this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today we're going to start a three-part series on why Jesus was born. And one of the many reasons that Jesus was born was to give us rest, was to give you rest. God never expected you to, to strive, to be stressed out, to be worried, to be fearful. No, he expects you to live a life of rest. That doesn't mean that you don't work, but as you work, you have an attitude of rest, a soulful, spiritual, emotional rest that can't be compared to anything else but living a life for Jesus. And I, I, I love to think of Mary, you know, the, the angel came to the Virgin Mary before Jesus was born and made huge, incredible promises to her about who, was she, who she was going to give birth to. And, you know, Mary didn't have to do a single thing to make that promise come true. All she had to do was rest. And that's what we have to do as well. We have to take God's word, his promises, and rest in them. And in resting, God is going to make those things come to pass for us. So listen and be blessed. And I want to share with you that Jesus was born first today to give you rest. He was, he was born so that you would have a restful, somewhat relaxed life. God doesn't want you to be stressed out. Did you know that? He doesn't want you to be overly anxious or worried or miserable. He wants you to rest. And Jesus was born so that you would rest. So we're going to look through Luke 1. I'm not going to, Luke 1 and 2. I'm not going to read every single verse, and I'm not going to throw every single verse up on the screen because it'd just be pages and pages and pages. But I'll throw some of the verses up. If you have your phone, your Bible, you can follow along, starting again in Luke 1. We're going to start in verse 5. And it's the Christmas story. It's the story of what led up to the time when Jesus was born. Again, remembering and thinking that Jesus was, was born to give you rest. Everybody take a, just a big sigh of relief. Just rest right now. Relax a little bit, all right? Just that's, that's the vibe right now. That's a feeling today that I want us to have. Luke 1, verse 5, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. Zechariah. All right, everybody's with me. Thank goodness. Who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife, Elizabeth. So there was Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were descendants of Aaron. Now, Aaron was the brother of Moses. Remember, Moses was the guy that took all the Israelites out of Egypt. They were descendants of Aaron, and Aaron was considered the high priest, or was named the high priest hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Here's Zechariah, his descendant. He was continuing the priestly requirements or, or uh, responsibilities of his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather uh, Aaron. All right? Probably got that wrong. There's probably many more greats than that. Verse 6. Both of them, both Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, were righteous. They were good people. Can you think of a good person right now? Just think of somebody that you kind of look up to and say, that's a good person, all right? Well, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they were good people. They were righteous, in this, not only just in the sight of people, but in the sight of God. They were good people. And they observed the Lord's commands and his decrees blamelessly. They were by the book. Have you ever met somebody that's by the book? They do all the right things right, and they avoid all the bad things. That was Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they were, but listen to this, they were childless. 
they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Well, now we got a pretty broad picture of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, listen to this. Have you ever met somebody who lived a really good life? They did all the right things, but they're fruitless. They don't have anything really to show for it. And sometimes we look at people like that. We look at Christians, we say, they lived a good life, but man, I don't want their results. (laughs) I want better results than what they have. Man, if I'm going to be a godly person, if I'm going to serve Jesus, I want some results in my life, right? Well, this was kind of their, their life. They'd been good people, but they were fruitless. They were childless. They didn't have the results that they wanted and many other people would have expected good people to have. And furthermore, they're old. You know, we can't afford to grow old in our Christianity. I've noticed that. Some people, some people, they're Christians for 30 years, 50 years, and they grow old in their Christianity And they relax, they kick back, and they stop trying. They stop trying. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to grow old in my Christianity. And and see what happens whenever you do this. Christianity loses its appeal. You, You see, Christianity is about dynamic relationship with Jesus. I want to hear from Jesus Every day of my life. In fact, I want to hear from him multiple times throughout the day. I want to feel his presence. I want to be, for like, like I said, dynamic, powerful relationship with Jesus. I don't want old Christianity. I want living, powerful, exciting Christianity. Well, you know, as we read on more about Zechariah, we realize Zechariah didn't even understand God's grace. It seems to me that to, to Zechariah, it was all about do's and don'ts, religion, <laughs> doing the right thing, pleasing God, trying to earn my salvation, and maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this, but Zechariah had not learned to rest in God. It was always striving, always trying, always the rules, always righteousness, and you know what? If you do that, you never can rest in the Lord. God is full of grace. You know why you're a Christian? is because God saved you. You didn't save yourself. He reached down at your worst, at my worst, and saved us. That's grace. It's saying, I'm not going to try. I'm going to let you do all the trying for me. And then he starts helping us put forth an effort as well. But if you grow old in your Christianity, you're going to boil everything down to do's and don'ts. You're going to be striving in your salvation. And guess what else? You're going to be judging others. You're always going to be looking at others and saying, ah, they didn't measure up. Look at me. I try really hard. That person didn't try very hard. And you don't rest because you're constantly competing. But let's read on in verse 8 of Luke 1. Now, once Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before the Lord. He was chosen by lot. And what they would do is they'd pick a priest just kind of by chance, if you will, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This happened once a year, by the way. And when the time for the burning of incense had come, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside the temple. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah standing there on the right hand of the altar of incense. Can you imagine? You're in this dark, holy room. (laughs) I mean, you got to picture this stuff. And all of a sudden, this massive angel shows up that you can visibly see. 
It's not just a figment of your imagination. When Zechariah saw him, he was afraid, I believe is the next word, if I can turn my page. He was startled and gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. I'll never forget, I had, I've mentioned this before, but I had back problems, and I prayed and prayed, my foot would go numb, and I prayed, and one day, as I was praying, I sensed the Lord tell me, I've heard your prayers. I've heard your prayers. And from that day forward, my back got better and better and better until God healed my back. You say, does God do stuff like that these days? Absolutely, he does miracles. He does supernatural, unexplainable things. So anyways, he hears, Zechariah hears, your prayer has been heard. Well, as you read, this, read on the story, you realize Zechariah didn't believe God. He doubted, strongly doubted what the angel was telling him. And let me ask you this. Have you ever prayed without hope? Have you ever prayed for something, but you don't really think it's going to happen? That is a really lame way to pray, an exhausting way to pray. It's far better to pray resting, knowing that God is hearing what you're, what you're praying for. So when we pray, we should rest in the fact that God is listening to our prayers. I challenge you today, go home and pray for that number one need that you have in your life. Even if it's been 15 years and you've been praying, go home and pray for that need and rest knowing that God is listening to you. Rest knowing that God is listening to you. Did you know that God wants many of the same things that you want anyways? You're on the same page. God wants to help you. God wants to heal you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to restore that relationship that's broken. He wants to help you with the personality things that you want to get fixed. He wants the same things that you do. So when you're praying to him, know, hey, you're on the same page with God. So rest knowing that God is listening to you. Well, this angel goes on. I'm not reading all the verses here, but he says, your, your wife Elizabeth is going to bear you a son and you're going to call him John. How's that, Grandpa? <laughs> this guy's old. And God's telling him, the angel's telling him, your dreams are going to come true in your old age. It's going to be a supernatural miracle. Well, Zechariah did what I would have probably done. I'm not throwing Zechariah under the bus, okay? I think we all tend to do this. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure that this is going to happen? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years as well. He didn't call her old. He's a smart guy. He said she's just well along in years, all right? But you know what? You know what we need to do? When God promises something, we need to rest in that promise, just picture yourself sitting in a big old nice fluffy recliner, pull the arm back, lean all the way back, and rest in the promise of God for your children, for your health, for your future, for your provision. Just receive from God and rest in it. Rest in it. You're going to see how powerful resting in God's promises is, he is in just a second. But you know what I'm, I'm learning is this. When God promises something, I'm going to say, God, do what you've promised, and I'm going to let God's power do its work. I'm going to let God's power do its work. Well, the angel says in verse 19, he says, Zechariah, look, 
I'm Gabriel, all right? I'm one of the best known angels out there. I stand in the presence of God up in heaven. I've been sent here to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now, you know what? You're going to be silent and not be able to speak until the day that it happens because you did not believe my words. Sounds vengeful, sounds a little bit harsh, but you know what the Bible tells us and Jesus said? It's going to be done unto you according to your faith. So do you have itty bitty faith? Well, as long as your itty bitty faith is growing, it's fine. But you don't want stunted faith. You don't want small faith that you just step on and and don't believe God. I tell you what, when you believe God, good things are going to happen. When you don't believe God, a lot of good things aren't going to happen. Literally. Your destiny is somewhat in your own hands based on your faith in the living God. That's amazing. And so Zechariah didn't believe, and you know what? Therefore, Zechariah couldn't rest. He couldn't talk either. (laughs) He couldn't rest. When you don't believe God, you're very stressed out. You're very worried. You can't rest in life. And you're up and down, and you can't sleep at night because you're always worried. But if you believe God, you will have soulful rest emotional rest, mental rest, spiritual rest. Do you say, well, Steve, I think you're reading a little bit too much into the scripture. What you described is not necessarily stated here. Let me give you a scripture that says it in a one sentence. Here it is. Hebrews 4.3, excuse me. It says, for we who have believed enter that rest. (laughs) There it is. Black and white, clear as day. And through experience or from experience, my own personal experience, when I believe God, I rest. I rest. It's better than any yoga session you could ever have. All right. It's better than any meditation, anything that you could ever do to just soulfully rest in the Lord because you believe God is who he says he is. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And you are who he says you are. Powerful stuff. Let's read on verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed in the temple so long. By the way, they, these priests, they would tie a rope around their ankles because they were going into the Holy of Holies, the deepest part of the temple. And this rope would be, the end of it would be outside. In case that priest had died and God struck him dead, they could pull the body out. <laughs> Sounds pretty morbid, right? Well, He was in there a long time, and I imagine they were starting to look at that rope and wonder, hey, maybe get her a tug and make sure (laughs) everything is all right in there. All right? They were wondering what was going on. He finally came out. Can you imagine Elizabeth thinking, oh, thank the Lord. He's safe. But he couldn't speak. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs and signals to them, but he remained unable to speak. When, the, when his time of service was completed, he returned home, and after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. i tell you what, after 14 months of what Tina and I and the family have been going through, and God's promising us, I'm going to take care of you, Steve. Tina, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to watch you. You're going to be fine. To see the promises of God comes true is the most powerful, exciting 
thing in the world. Elizabeth, it wasn't an empty promise from heaven. God did what he said he was going to do. And she became pregnant and she was in seclusion as was the custom in, in those times, five months. But you know what? God's answers to our prayers are no different than this pregnancy. No different whatsoever. The minute you receive the promise of God and you say in your heart, God, I believe you. I believe you are going to take care of my money. I believe you're going to take care of my kids. I believe you're going to take care of this difficult situation. You, you just throw it all off and you say, I believe God. You become, in essence, spiritually pregnant with God's answer to your prayer. As soon as you believe, you conceive the answer of God in your spiritual self. And you know what? That is one of the most awesome things because when, when a woman becomes pregnant, she conceives, does she doubt? And she say, yeah, I don't think I'm pregnant. Well, maybe at first she thinks that, but as it becomes visible that she's pregnant, she doesn't question, am I going to have a child? Now, I understand there's miscarriages and there's tragedies, but, but whenever you don't have those worries in the back of your mind, that woman goes and she, she makes a nursery for the child. And she buys some, some, some clothes that will fit her. And, and she starts having uh, these little, uh, what do you call them, uh, showers, baby showers. And she is, she's expectant that that child is going to come. Now, let me tell you what. When you start believing God, you're expectant that that answer is going to come. And so you just walk around and say, I've, God, you've already given me the answer. And you can enjoy that answer even before you see it. See, that's faith. That's faith. Praise God. And, and, and so look, Elizabeth, it came to pass, and she, was, uh, she, she was actually became pregnant. Let me tell you what. There's no spiritual miscarriages. When God says he's going to do something, he is going to do it. Just believe God. Just rest in God's promises. Look in Daniel 9.23, it puts it into perspective. Daniel had been praying, and I, I can't quite tell in the scripture if he'd been praying uh, for 21 days. Well, we know he'd been praying for 21 days, but it may have been the 24th day, either 21, 24 days later. The answer comes, and this angel appears to Daniel. It says, as soon as you began to pray, the word was sent out. I'll tell you what, the minute you start praying for something, God is sending you an answer. He's sending you an answer. So wait expectantly. Rest wonderfully knowing that God's answer is on the way for you. And you're going to receive it and you're going to rejoice. But don't wait to rejoice. Rejoice now because the answer is on the way. Well, look at this in verse 25. The, uh, Elizabeth says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown me his favor and has taken away my disgrace from among people. Back then, it was, it was a disgrace for a woman not to be able to, to, to conceive. And here, this disgrace has been taken away. And here's what I get from this. God's grace takes away your disgrace. Isn't that wonderful? You go to God and you just rest in his grace, rest in his promises, rest in his, his love for you, and your disgrace just starts getting erased. And you, you won't even remember. When you look back, all you see is Jesus back there. No regrets, no disgrace, no misery. All you see is Jesus. God is so, so good. So you rest in God's grace. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 
The Bible tells us my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all that you need. You don't need anything else in this world but God's grace. What is God's grace? His favor. His favor. He looks at you and, and, and he favors you. In other words, he gives you the upper hand, the advantage, the distinct advantage in situations. And you say, how on earth did that happen? I wasn't qualified. I, I, I don't have the title for this. I don't, I don't have the experience, but God keeps promoting me. That's the favor of God. You know, I pray over our children whenever they're about to take a test. I pray this. This is a prayer of grace. Check this out. God, I pray that you'd bring to memory everything they've studied. And even what they haven't studied, let them remember that as well. And you say, well, then that's bad because people are going to start being lackadaisical. No, no, no. You know what? God's grace just causes us to try even more. To try even more. Praise God. I love God's grace, man. I've seen people who smoked all their lives and God's grace allowed them not to have COPD and to to protect their lungs anyways. I've seen people, me mostly, do really stupid things and yet be protected from harm. All right, that's the grace of God. So what do we do? We just lounge in the grace of God. We rest in the grace of God. We receive the grace of God into ourselves. And so verse verse 26, now we switch gears and we start looking at, at Mary's story. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, she's been, they're pregnant already six months. God sent an angel, that same angel Gabriel, to Nazareth, to the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. This lady's name, or this girl's name, we think she was probably a teenager. She was fairly young when all of this happened, which is very encouraging to young people. God gets you when you're young. He reaches you when you're young. He tries to get a hold of you when you're young. But praise God, he also doesn't give up on us. And he pursues us all our lives through his grace, even when we're older. And so anyways, this angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. How would you like God to tell you that you're highly favored, that you're highly esteemed, that God thinks highly of you, that he's pleased with you? The Lord is with you, this angel said. Mary was greatly troubled by his words or at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So he tells her she's highly favored. And then he says, you have found favor with God. You know what that means? Mary, you found your rest in God. You have learned, Mary, how to rest in God. And guess what? That's the secret to finding God's grace is to resting, is to start resting in him and stop striving. Stop working so hard and let God do the work in you and for you and through you. You're just along for the ride. He's the power. He's the strength. He's the one that's going to cause things to happen. So she had found her rest in God. The angel says, you will conceive and give birth. You're going to go through both of these. You're going to believe me, conceive the answer, and then it's actually going to happen. A two-step process to any prayer is first have faith in God's promises, conceive the answer, 
and then give birth to the answer. God, bring it into reality, into the natural, into the tangible that you can see, touch, and feel. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, and he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary says, how on earth is this going to (laughs) be? She asked the same question that Zechariah asked, but apparently she asked it out of curiosity, not out of doubt. And let me tell you what, it's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to ask God questions, but don't ask them in doubt. Ask them out of curiosity. Ask them in interest. Ask because you need understanding or want to know how things work. I've learned that especially over this last year. I've asked God, how are you going to do this? And, and how does this work? And I've learned so much about how God works. So she says, how is this going to be since I am a virgin? She realized this was something that was going to happen before she was going to be married to Joseph. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. What does this mean? Mary, you're not going to do anything. God is going to do it. God is going to do it. If God promises, he's the one that's going to have to make it happen, not you. So often we hear from God and we believe and then we say, okay, God, what do I have to do? And God says, rest in my promise. Rest in my promise. All right, God was going to do it. So the Holy One is to be born, is to be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. God's saying, man, if I promise something, I'm going to do it. And here is an example of what I'm already doing right here. Wow. For no word from God will ever fail. No word. Praise God. You know, you might be saying, Steve, you don't know how many times I've prayed and God hadn't done squat for me. (laughs) He hasn't done anything. He's never come through. Well, let me tell you what. Times are changing. And it's time for you and I to start believing God. And it's time for him to start acting on our behalf. I can see in some of your faces and some of your eyes a look of faith You say, you know what? This time is going to be different. God is going to start acting on my behalf. I am going to start believing and resting in God, and God is going to start answering your prayers in unbelievable ways, in amazing ways, because no word from God will ever fail. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And that's when God gives you a promise, you say, Lord, let your promise be fulfilled to me. I receive it. I accept it. I believe it. Let it be conceived in me and let me give birth to this answer that that God has for me. And let me read to you this, and I'm going to throw it up here on the screen. There's not a single thing that Mary had to do for God's promise to happen for her. All she had to do was rest. All she had to do was rest and watch God do what he had promised he was going to do. That's the problem so often. We want to jump in the middle of things. We make things happen, and we make the wrong things happen quite often. But if we will let God do what he says he's going to promise he's going to do, it's going to be a thing of beauty. It's going to be a memorable thing. It'll be something that is life-changing, exciting, wonderful. You don't have to make God's promises come through. Just trust him. Just rest in him. 
Just believe him, and he's going to do it. In Exodus 14, 13, here was two million Israelites facing the Red Sea, the Egyptian army coming behind them to, to take them back to Egypt. And look at what, what, what Moses says through inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the Israelites. He says, don't be afraid. Don't run away. Stand where you are and watch the Lord save you today. Isn't that awesome? Just, just let God do the work. Just trust in him. If you've got a little secret addiction, trust him to help you be rescued from that addiction. If you've got a little vice that you don't want anybody to know about, just trust the Lord to help you get, get rid of that vice, that, that bad habit. If you have a personality disorder, just trust God to help you with that personality disorder. Get free, get set free. God's grace is all that you need. Trust his grace. Trust his power to do what his power can do. In Psalms 46.10, anybody that knows, it's, you've heard this verse probably before, and I can't help but say it. I mean, it's, it just fits here so well. But the Bible says, stop striving and know that I'm God. Stop, stop trying to make things happen. All you're going to do is stress yourself, th- stress yourself out and worry. Seek the Lord and let God do things for you. Rest in him. Believe in him. Well, at that time, Mary got ready and she hurried to the town. She'd heard the good news of her. Elizabeth was her cousin, by the way, a distant cousin, even though much older. And she got ready and hurried off to the town of the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in Elizabeth's womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is a child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth realized that Mary was carrying the Son of God in her. Wow. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Now look at this verse, verse 45. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord will f- would fulfill his promises to her. You know what? Look at this. Promises come from God. That's, it's, let's do, look at this. Re-engineer this, but go backwards, okay? Promises come from God. We believe them, and then we're blessed because we believed in God. You want to live a charmed life? I hate to call it that. You want to live a blessed life? Start believing God's promises. You say, I can't get a break to save my life. My life stinks. Everything goes bad for me. Start believing the promises of God. And the blessings of God is going to start flowing in your life. In a new way, in a fresh way, in a way you've never experienced before. Don't judge your future based on your past. Your past is never going to amount to what you want your future to be. So stop looking back and projecting forward what your future is going to be. God has a bright future for you if you'll start believing his promises. Blessings are going to start flowing in your life. Are you going to have problems still? Of course you're going to have problems. Good grief. You're going to have problems the rest of your life, but I'd rather have problems in the midst of blessing than to have problems in the midst of depression. (laughs) Right? God wants to set you free. What does it feel to, to feel blessed? What is it like to feel blessed? Restful? 
If you're blessed, you're restful, you're peaceful, you're confident, you're trusting, you're excited, you're faithful. I want to be blessed. I don't know about you. Well, here's the recipe right here. Believe God's promises. And so let's, let's put it, er, screeching stop here. You say, how do I get a promise from God? That might be crossing our minds. I'd certainly wonder that as well. Read your Bible. It's full of promises from God. Amen. It's full of them. Most everybody in here gets a text every day with some suggested, recommended reading from the Bible. You could get that. You can, you can follow along in a devotional. You can get your Bible app. There's devotionals there that will guide you and steer you through reading the Bible. You might decide to read the Bible from beginning to end, which I've never done before. <laughs> it's tough. It's a big book. And there's a lot of sections that are kind of confusing. All right. But let me tell you what. Read the Bible and you'll get promises then you believe those promises, and then you get your blessing. Blessings. I should say multiple blessings. All right, so Luke 2. Don't worry, we're almost done here. In those days, Caesar Augustus, the emperor of the Roman Empire, issued a decree that a census should be taken throughout the entire Roman, Roman world. Everyone went to their town to register, so Joseph went to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to have this, this census taken to register. In Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. That's interesting, but we won't stop on this one. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was already expecting a child. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you ask for God for something, walk around and live as if it's already happened. It already happened. Man, I'll tell you what, I remember once God was telling me, I was kind of feeling pretty lame at work. I wasn't getting a promotion that I wanted. I wasn't progressing. And God told me, I want you to walk around like you already have whatever promotion. Walk with your head held high. You're a child of God. You know, live like you already have what you're asking God for. That's what faith is. And then you live in a much happier state, a much, a much higher place, plane in life. Because you already have the things that you've asked God for. And so she was expecting her child. Praise God. We need to be doing the same thing. While they were there, the time for the baby came. The time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. You know what? When you get one answer from God, you need to get in the habit of getting your next one. That was your firstborn answer. God wants to give you a second born and a third born and a fourth born and a hundredth born. Get in the habit of getting God's answers through believing in him. That was just her first born. God had more for Mary and God has more for you as well. He has more for you as well. So there were shepherds living out in the fields, uh, taking care of their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the, the baby wrapped in cloths, uh, in, basically in rags, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. What does it feel like to rest? Jesus came to give you rest. What does it feel like to get, have rest? Peace. 
peace, complete and utter peace. In the middle of the night when you can't sleep, in the midst of trouble, peace, in the midst of joy, peace, 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 peace. That's the rest of God that he wants you to have. Now, if you're constantly trying to earn God's favor and telling you, I don't deserve anything from God, I'm no good, blah, 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 hush up (laughs) and rest in God's love for you. We're going to find two weeks from now, Jesus was born to love you. He was born to show his love. Stop talking about how undeserving you are. In Jesus, you do deserve it. Good things. I, I can't comprehend it. That's the grace of God. Jesus came so that you would rest in his favor, in his goodness, and peace on those whom God's favor rests. All right? In fact, in Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let it. God's trying to give you rest every day. Let it rule over you. I want peace to rule over me. I'm just like an iron-fisted peace over me. All right, that can't be shaken by anything or anyone. But Jesus came to give you rest and peace. And if you think, well, Steve, you've been stretching this a little bit. And you, you had a theme and you kind of weaved it in here. Listen to this, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. If that, what I have told you has not convinced you, this is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, Jesus was born to give you rest. Rest when you're tired, when you're bone tired, when you're stressed out, when life isn't treating you well, when things haven't gone your way. Jesus says, here, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me on you. Learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. Isn't it wonderful to know that our Savior is gentle and humble? And you will find rest for your souls. Amen. Go, go seek Jesus. Go find God, man. Read your Bibles. Pray. Come to church. Talk to him throughout the day. Converse with him. Have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to find more rest for your souls than you've ever dreamed of. Ever dreamed of. So what kind of people does God's favor rest on? Listen to this. This is kind of an interesting wordplay. But it's on those who rest in God's favor. (laughs) So if I come here and I say, you know what? I'm going to rest. This is God's favor. I'm going to rest here in God's favor. Oh, this feels so good. You know, as I sit here and rest in God's God's favor, his, his favor comes and rests on me. It's almost a kind of a sandwich situation, you know? I'm going to come into his grace, and his grace is going to come rest on me. Well, we see that the, uh, that the shepherds come, they find Jesus, they find Mary and Joseph. But in verse 19, I'll end with this. It says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And here's two secrets to spiritual rest. Two secrets to spiritual rest. You know, what you treasure in your heart can either cause you to rest or it can bring stress. Whatever you treasure in your heart, in your, in your soul, in your mind, the things that you pursue in life, they'll either give you rest or they'll give you stress. And if you've got stress in your life, you're obviously pursuing the wrong things. 
See, she treasured what was important and it brought her rest. So go home this afternoon, tomorrow, get a journal, write out, what do I treasure in my life and what is stressing me out? (laughs) You see, we worry about our kids, we worry about our job, we worry about our country, we worry about our our environment, so many things to worry about. Is it really that important? So I take my kids, which are very important, granted, and I give them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I say, God, I give them to you. As soon as I do that, the burden's lifted. They're not, they're not completely my responsibility. God is going to take care of your children, of the things that you love, the things you worry about. Give it to him and treasure him instead, and you'll find rest for your soul. The second thing is this. Is says Mary said, or it said of Mary that she pondered them in her hearts, all these wonderful events that took place. If we will ponder God's promises and his wonders and his answers, we're going to stop worrying. Literally stop worrying. Can you imagine a life without worry, a life without anxiety? You can have a life without worry and anxiety. You can do it. How? By thinking on heavenly things instead of earthly things, because earthly things are going to stress you out all the time. So meditate on God's promises, on his wonders, on his answers that you've already experienced. Not on your worries, not on your impossibilities, not on your failures, not on your regrets, your weaknesses. Forget all of that and ponder the things of God. And you're going to have rest. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, God. And I thank you, Jesus, in particular. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for being born to give us rest. Lord, had you not been born, we would have never had a very clear picture of who God is and how loving God is and and how humble and gentle God is. We would have never had that picture. But with Jesus being born and living his life here on earth and dying for our sins, now we have a picture. I can picture God a little bit better. I can imagine God's face and his, Lord, your expressions and the look in your eye and, and what's the way you act and the way you behave, all because Jesus was born I can find rest for my soul now. So, Lord, I just pray right now that every heart, Lord, every single person here, Lord, would open up their hearts to Jesus, would seek Jesus, would chase after and pursue Jesus because he is hands down the most valuable thing we could ever have in our lives, Lord. And that's that's what worship is, is placing huge value on something or someone, and we place huge value on the man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you. I want to ask you right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Does And let me ask you another question. Does he know you? Does he know you? The question is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Because if it is, you can have a very secure way of living knowing that your eternity is going to be in the right place in heaven. So I want to ask you right now, have you asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life and so that you can start experiencing this rest that I'm talking about right now? I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand if you want to be known by God and you want to know God, I want to pray for you. Anybody? 
Several hands being raised. Praise God. I want to pray, but I want you to pray as well. And I want you to, I want you to ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. As if your, your life was a house. And you open the front door and Jesus is standing there. You say, Jesus, please come into my life. I need you inside. I don't need you outside anymore. Please come into my life. And I've done this personally. I've done this hundreds of times. And what I find is there's other doors in my, in my house that need to be opened as well. And I ask him deeper and deeper and deeper into my life, into my house, if you will. So pray as I pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you right now. Lord, we need this soulful rest. We need this spiritual rest. We need this emotional rest Lord God, we're badgered and plagued, God, by stress and worry all the time, anxieties, panic. Lord God, fear. Jesus, please come into our lives. We open the door of our heart, of our mind, of our soul, and we say, Jesus, come in, please, not only as a guest, but as a permanent, take up permanent residence in my life. Mm-hmm.